Welcome to episode 8 of the Vitamin CD Podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I actually have two guests with me, both Ben Weisbrod and Iman Ayurinde. Uh, we're going to be diving into various topics, including some of the biggest barriers people face when working out. This can be mental and physical hangover remedies. Uh, we're going to dive into psychedelic drugs a little bit, uh, just their overall opinions on it. Microdosing, nootropic stacking, pros and cons of each of those. And then we're going to talk a little bit about some of the top 15 myths and truths uh, that deal with food and exercise. And then finally, we're going to talk um, a little bit about cold therapy. In my latest blog post, I covered a lot of the information. Uh, Iman has a strong opinion. I'm going to kind of go back and forth with him and debate uh, why cold therapy can be beneficial, not just uh, for longevity purposes, but also for recovery, sleep, all that stuff. So make sure to tune in. This one, this one's going to be a good one. This podcast is sponsored by our good friends at Liberty Clothing. So Liberty delivers high quality clothing while keeping a low impact on the environment. Liberty Clothing Line uses organic materials such as hemp to ensure sustainability and long lasting clothing to all customers. So if you don't know anything about hemp, I'll just give you a little review here. So first off, it's super lightweight and absorbent with three times the tensile strength of cotton, which is pretty crazy. Hemp farming doesn't require chemical pesticides or fertilizers, so you could, you feel good about wearing this clothing. Hemp clothing is organic, it's biodegradable, and sustainable, made with solar power. And hemp is also great with fighting any type of viral bacterial or fungal infection so definitely check out liberty clothing you can get a face mask you can get their new high line uh, that features sweatshirts t-shirts tie-dye all that kind of stuff really awesome again go check out liberty clothing at www.libertyclothing.com use the code cam15 to get 15 percent off your order over 60 dollars check them out okay so we are live so we got ben iman how you guys doing thanks for joining the show good Good. pretty good yeah good to be here awesome having us um so i just wanted to go over like a couple quick uh things that i was talking a lot about uh not just on my uh my uh uh, blog but also um a lot of questions from other people uh, that have asked me on my Instagram, uh, Facebook. So we're just going to dive into it. Love to know your opinions on a lot of these stuff uh, because I know that some of this stuff does apply to you. Um, but I just kind of wanted to start off. It's very tough right now with working out. Uh, it's hard to motivate yourself. And one of the things I posted recently on Instagram was kind of asking the question, what's the biggest barrier for you when it comes to working out? This can be mental physical, uh, spiritual, whatever it is, what's that barrier? Um, I'll start with you, Iman. Um, well, for me, the biggest barrier to working out is typically just getting, getting myself in the mindset of wanting to do it. Like once I decide, once I, once I decide, okay, I'm going to work out or in two minutes, the workout starts, then I force myself to finish it. It's that, it's that, it's those moments before, like maybe an hour before 
the day before when you're like, ah, oh, like, do I need to work out today? Like, and that's when you get yourself on like a slippery slope because you might do that for three days straight and that three days turns into a week. And then after two weeks, you're discouraged. You don't want to go back. So for me, the biggest barrier is always, um, I guess, the fluidity of constantly ensuring that I will do it. Right. Uh, and yeah. And you know what? That makes a lot of sense. And I've heard that from um, a lot of people. What about you, Ben? Um, I would probably say the biggest barrier for me um, working out would be sort of along the same lines as Iman. Um, but I would say probably just the initial start. I mean, like once everyone starts working out, you know, you get your body moving, get the blood flowing, everything like that. You're kind of in a rhythm. It's easy to keep going. Um, I think getting the initial start is particularly hard. That's why uh, personally I hate warming up. Definitely not a good thing, yeah. um, but I just like to get into it and uh, yeah, just get after it. That, that's hate, probably my biggest barrier. This guy hates I hate warming, warming up. up. Yeah, you know it's what? Definitely not good. Um, there's, I know like people like Laird Hamilton believe that. Who's that? Laird Hamilton. He was, uh, he's a professional um, surfer. Okay. And now he's turned kind of like a, a wellness guru. He makes his own coffee. Uh, he's, he's been on Joe Rogan couple times uh he runs his own certification um course which is pretty interesting mm -hmm. focus on like breathing yeah and uh, underwater work works with uh, nba players like uh joking nola so when he was making his comeback uh when he <laughs> come back yeah well he, was the, <laughs> well he was he was out of the league for a while yeah right? so when he's going back to memphis they're working specifically on his jumping because he found that like every time you know you dunk or something, you come back down to the ground, it's harder on your joints, it's harder mm -hmm. on your tissues. So what he did is they worked a lot in the water. And what they were able to accomplish was he was actually able to get his vert up while keeping injury free, which is really interesting. So he has a lot of like interesting oh, that's knowledge. Super interesting, yeah. Um and you know, the the podcast is interesting, but he talks specifically about uh the fact that like taking a page out of like a dog's book. When a dog wakes up in the morning, what it does is it goes down dog, up dog, right? Mm -hmm. Doesn't take much, but it's more of like the mindset that he talks about, right? Mm -hmm. Now, there's a lot of people that will disagree with this. I necessarily, like, because I'm an athlete, I've been raised to kind of, you know, take a warm-up very seriously, take it as a, a, as dynamic as possible, get, get a little sweat going, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and that kind of jolts the mind and the body but that's just like an interesting take. Right. Um, so those are like two very big, um, answers and common answers mm -hmm. to, to my question. But one of the, the big things was like, especially in college, sorry, I'm choking on my gum is, um, it's like hangovers and like oh. how that can limit you from working oh. out and how that can play a huge role and just your recovery and it's a snowball effect mm -hmm. right when you don't recover and iman you know this because you have your whoop when you're not recovering yeah when you're not recovering it's very hard you have to and you for example you have like a 28 percent recovery okay i'm pretty sure that's what you were today 27 yeah. 27 are you serious yeah mm -hmm. it's it's so you have to look that's at that so number bad. and i had to wake up really early it's kind of trial and error in the sense that you, you're able to understand what, you know, gets your recovery up, the certain things that you have to do. And, you know, having a hangover, you can get down to like 1%. Oh, yeah. And that's another thing I kind of want to dive into hangovers. is hangovers. Uh, certain remedies you can have 
And I don't know if you guys have ever uh, heard about like the morning recovery drink, but it's come out. You've heard of it before? Yeah. No, what is it? So morning recovery is like a little, it's like a, it's in a, like a little case. It's like a five hour energy. Like it looks exactly. like that. Yeah. And you take it uh, with like your first beer or, or whatever alcoholic drink. Oh, that I you think have. I've heard, isn't there, wasn't there another one? Like sim- something similar yeah, to that? Yeah, there was. Um, what was it, what's it called? You're talking about the ones that were going around Frosh? Yeah. Oh, no, no, And no, they no. have, they had the thing on the no, top where you click it and it goes into the that's, water. That's, that's, that's uh, last call. Last oh, okay, call, yeah, 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 yeah. So similar concept. Yeah. So I actually, uh, one of the big things that were that was in the ingredients that I was looking at was Korean pear extract. And I don't know if you've been to like even here, like in Montreal, they have if you go in, you can get like an Asian pear. And Asian mm-hmm. pears are really good because uh, they completely hydrate uh, the system. And what it does is it's able to kind of get um, the 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 buildup of acetaldehyde which is performed, uh, which is uh, what ends up actually dehydrating the brain and it kind of reboots your system mm-hmm. as well as the liver and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, other things like calcium, magnesium, they talked about dihydromyosin. Dihy- uh, it's it's just a fancy uh, word, but it, what it does is just helps with liver function. Well, what what, what is a hangover? Like it, it, it is basically your body just being dehydrated, right? Yeah, but um, it's the big thing with a hangover is like it's it's a transfer of like of alcohol getting broken down, and when you're having too much of it, your body doesn't fully break it down into uh, a, a, the simplest form where it can actually be, you know, it can exit mm-hmm. your body or excrete it through your uh, your urine. So what tends to happen is exactly like your body gets dehydrated, but also your brain mm-hmm. as well. Um, but yeah, the, the, that's a good question. That's just a very broad understanding of it. Vitamin C, B12, prickly pear extract, another thing. So if you're hearing this, pears. Pears are good things to have. Uh, potassium, sodium, L-cysteine, which I talked about uh, with eggs. So I have eggs in the morning. And then usually like a stimulant, um, which is kind of interesting. I don't know what your, your thoughts are on this, but... Um, I was listening to a podcast and he was talking about the use of arginine or um, Viagra as something you take as a pre-workout. This is obviously for older people, but because it's a vasodilator, opens up blood vessels, allows blood flow to the muscles more efficiently. Mm -hmm. Pump? You get a pump? Yeah. You get a better pump? You get a better pump, yeah. So yeah, you're just more efficient with with the the blood flow right and you're able to get more out of a out of a set mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing then your heart rate gets too high and you pass out well, <laughs> the, the, there's so many different factors to taking something like that yeah mm-hmm. like i don't know why he was recommending it but it's just a vasodilator um but but uh it's it's just a another interesting thing um that can kind of be incorporated into your recovery and making sure that for any whoop people out there, making sure that you're still able to get a high strain, but a big recovery. Would you take that? Whoop. What? Viagra? No, I wouldn't take a, a Viagra. Um, this actually goes nicely into our kind of next topic, but um, <laughs> nic- nicotine stays in your system for about 30, to, 30 minutes to an hour. And what it can do 
um, is it can it can help with uh, it can be used as a pre-workout substance. Uh, you know, unlike caffeine that stays mm -hmm. in your system. And Ben, you were saying this yesterday for up to like 15 hours, or something yeah. like that, right? I think it's or roughly 15 hour half yeah. or something like that. Yeah, it's 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 something substantial, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I feel like you know taking you know uh, a stimulant where it's able to dilate blood vessels is extremely important. I don't want to bore you guys too much about this, but um, going into like nicotine, which is obviously very addictive mm -hmm. uh, for people, but also that can be used as what's called a nootropic. So uh, it's a natural cognitive enhancer. So one thing that you can do that uh, people have been, you know, I'll bring this book over here is the first thing on here. Cam, um, Cam is reading a textbook, by the way. <laughs> literally, um, is like when we're talking about nootro uh, nootropic stacking is you're stacking two uh, nootropics, again, cognitive enhancers together. So take caffeine as one. Technically, that is a cognitive enhancer. You take that in the morning, you're able to work. People are more, they're more alert, right? Uh, you know, they have more energy, stuff like that. Take it with uh, nicotine. You then are grabbing, um, it's, a, it's a powerful combination. And this was done, interesting enough, there's a study back in the 1950s that talked about cigarettes and having coffee in the morning and being able to not only focus but also from a longevity standpoint um people really love like smokers really love that mm. first cigarette and coffee in the morning and it's powerful and why do people take it a lot of smokers will say like oh there's nothing like you know a coffee and a dart or yeah you they know? do say that yeah and uh um, <laughs> legit yeah Seriously, and I'm not recommending anybody to <laughs> do that. That sounds all, like that at all. Um, what I am saying is, there's like a nicotine stick which has about you know a very low dosage, and if you have the self control of um, you know not being addicted, if you're not uh, if you don't have an addictive personality, um, that's something that you you could try. Again, I'm not recommending this. This is just I'm just spitballing right now. These, these are some of the things that I have found. Another one, caffeine L-theanine. Talked about this all the time. Mm -hmm. If I've put it on, you know, my stories, all that kind of stuff on how you have L-theanine, which is treated as anxiety uh, substance, and you take that, gets rid of uh, the jitterness, all the stuff uh, that kind of makes you when you have too much coffee, um, it kind of lowers that. So what it allows you to do is focus at a higher level. You're able to um, increase your mood, uh, your overall cognition, as I talked about. Again, lots of benefits. I'm just going to run through these quickly. Mm -hmm. Okay. I want to go through. Uh, caffeine, Tulsi, uh, astragalus, astragalus, excuse me. Uh, so again, that's similar to L-theanine's effect. Uh, ginkgo. Uh, Bacapa in lion's mane. Lion's mane is just another uh, mushroom. It's in the mushroom family. Artichokes are also a really good one. Um, and qualia, which I wanted to talk about a little bit. And that's just a blend. It's like, have you guys ever heard of um, Joe Rogan takes it? It's uh, Alpha Brain. Alpha Brain. Yeah. I've heard of it. I've I'm heard of it. Extremely skeptical of it. Yeah, same. They yeah. they've done, but with Alpha Brain, like, didn't they? They've done clinical trials right yes yeah, so they've done yeah they've done limited trials on it um sorry 
and um, it's actually uh, some of the results were it wasn't bad. You know, a lot of the substances that were put in it um, are actually you know it, it characterizes it as a, as a nootropic rather than a smart drug. The smart drug is uh, synthetically made. That's kind of the difference between it. Um, but uh, this one is very like quality is very expensive. It's like 150 bucks a bottle. But again, there's a lot of natural uh, substances in here that have really been proven uh, to help with cognition, but also sleep. So that's another thing that you should maybe check out. What's it called? Qualia? Qualia. Qualia. So Qualia, check out Qualia Mind. Again, it's like, it's kind of like a shotgun. They described it as like a shotgun of like, uh, just of like mindfulness, I guess that's like the best way to describe it. You just calm, but you're able to think at a higher capacity. So they talked about how it accesses kind of the, both the left and right brain hemispheres. So you're able to increase your creativity. Have you taken it? I have not taken it. I've just read a lot about it. Um, Do you plan on taking it? I don't know. Maybe. Hmm. Too expensive. Right. Something yeah. Student. <laughs> um but yeah, um, this kind of branches into kind of like the microdosing of uh, mushrooms. Mm -hmm. So we talked about like uh, psilocybin. I always screw up on saying that for some reason. Psilocybin? Psilocybin, excuse me. There we go. Embarrassing. That's like the other night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to go over that. Uh, we'll keep that off the air. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on kind of microdosing with uh you know mushrooms and you know it can it can be the actual um psilocybin you know or it can be i screwed up on that again yeah you I? did <laughs> how, is so it? Bad. how do you say psilocybin. it psilocybin 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 um but yeah again there is a you know there's a, a large stigma behind it uh, obviously and you know places around the world are starting to 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 legalize it and it's been used to treat depression um, but again, it's something that a lot of people use in the morning. They put in their coffee and they mix it with a little lion's mane, which falls into the mushroom family and they're able to increase their overall cognition, but they feel like they're able to get a lot more done and they feel at peace. They don't feel stressed. I think that's the biggest thing. As you get older, stress tends to take over your life. And that's obviously that's not what, you know, what we want in our lives. That's, mm -hmm. there's a number of things that happen. Inflammation, which is the biggest thing, body and brain, uh, high cholesterol, high uh, blood pressure, chronic diseases, just plague your whole body. So the biggest thing is just being able to control that. And I think microdosing has really been, uh, there's, there's limited studies right now, but they're starting to pour in soon. Um, but it's gonna, it's, it's, it's been used to treat a lot of mental illnesses but also just stress reduction. So I wanted to ask you guys, what are your overall thoughts on it right now? If you don't know a lot about it, that's fine. Uh, if you do, we'd love to hear it. Mm -hmm. The floor is yours. Can I go? You can go. Okay. Uh, okay, my thoughts are, I, I think it's definitely like, um, I don't know necessarily too much about it, but I would say, I from what I've heard, I think it's definitely promising in terms of mental health like depression ptsd um things like that but i feel like um like most cliches like everything in moderation um yep. in some respect that's that's probably true like 
no one really knows necessarily what the like effects are of maybe um, microdosing psilocybin uh, every day, right? Um, it's it's kind of like uh, you would do it like a like how you cycle with creatine, kind of, mm-hmm. but like a smaller cycle. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like three days on. And then like one day off. But again, you were doing this at 0.2 to 0.5 mm-hmm. grams. Yeah. Very small. Mm-hmm. You're not getting high, mm-hmm. right? That's that's not the thing. And what you would do is you do this on an empty stomach. So you'd fast. Mm-hmm. And you'd do it and you'd, and you'd uh, take like a notebook and you'd write down things. How do you feel right now? What's going through your head? Take me through it, right? That's that's how you'd properly do it. Um, but yeah, anyways. Continue. Why, why the fast? Why the fast is 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 it just um, uh, fasting kind of enhances it, uh, but also uh, you're able to kind of it's a it's a it could be something and I probably need to brush up on this a little bit, but psychologically it probably helps a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, just being able to uh, fully absorb it. Yeah, um, it probably ensures that there's nothing you've eaten that like will like nullify its effects. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you know, like when like let's say like when you're younger and you're like maybe drinking alcohol for those first few times, your parents like eat as much bread as possible. So it soaks up the alcohol so that, you know, it doesn't affect you as much as it would on an empty stomach. Right. So I'm assuming that's why it's at such a small dose that the amount of food you eat would probably affect its effectiveness. Right. I I don't Mm -hmm. know. Obviously. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a good point. Um, Iman, what are your kind of thoughts on it? And, uh, have you um, tried it at all, or what's? I've I've never microdosed. I'm I'm most certainly curious to see um, how it would affect me. Um, I don't have any. Uh, to, truth truth be told, I don't have any uh, pr- perspective on whether it should be done in moderation or something that someone could do on mm-hmm. a daily basis, on a regular basis. I'm not sure, but I certainly am curious yeah. to see. So there's been like early clinical trials with dealing with people who have mental illness, as I talked about, addiction, uh, obsessive, uh, you know, eating disorders, um, uh, sorry, OCD as well. Uh, well, that kind of falls into to mental health. But it's been interesting. And what they talked about, not specifically like mushrooms, but like um, Molly, when you take Molly, they said that like taking half a cap is equivalent to like 10 um, cognitive behavioral therapies, which is really interesting. And I don't know how they put that into what is a cognitive behavioral therapy. Cognitive behavioral therapy is like Mm -hmm. when when you have, so you can either take like, um, you can either take like, you know, something, if you're not going to take a drug, you would go and talk to like a, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's a type of, it's type of therapy. therapist. Yeah. Right. So a lot of people are resistant or like reluctant to take certain drugs because it makes them, you know, feel either like if you're taking like an SSRI and it makes you, you know, there's side effects to it and you don't like having it, mm-hmm. uh, you go to like a CBT person and kind of like talk it out. let everything out and they'll give you kind of ways to deal with it, right? Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it, you know what, like. It's just very confusing with go- what's going on right now. Uh, different different kind of opinions on stuff, and um, you know, there's there's a lot of truths uh, to what's going on. Uh, but kind of what I wanted to bring up a little bit here, and I have this for you guys is kind of some some true and false questions on 
foods and exercises. I know we're kind of flipping through this a little bit, mm -hmm. but I wanted to get through this uh, because I think this is kind of cool. Um, and you know, not to put you on the spot, uh, but I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm putting you on <laughs> the spot. Here we go. Yeah. Um, but what you're gonna do is I'm gonna say something. You're gonna tell me if it's true or false. I'm gonna simply. Uh, say if you're correct or not. I'll explain it a little bit if you want. Something. Are we going like one for one? Yeah. Um, we'll do is, um, yeah. So we'll we'll do a quick little um, break and then we'll get back into it. Okay. So we're starting here. So um, first question here, and you guys can kind of like say this at the at the same time. True or false? You can out exercise a bad diet. False. False. Uh, am I supposed to answer as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, false. Well, yeah, false. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, you can – well, that's that might be a misleading statement because also it depends on your age, yeah. your genetics. One person can have a terrible diet, let's say at the age mm -hmm. of 17, but goddamn, they're putting in so much work you wouldn't even notice. But that does that's not to say that they're out-exercising. It's just that they're able to – balance the effects of their poor diet as a result of their body composition yeah you know what when when i bring stuff like this it'd be yeah obviously there's a lot of factors when we're talking about a 22 year old right because people have different metabolisms stuff like that and there's genetics like, that play a part. yeah but what i wanted to <laughs> what i what i was talking about was like 80 percent of any type of lifestyle change starts with nutrition Absolutely. and that was like the biggest thing that i was getting at Anyways, saturated fat, all of it is bad for you. False. Yeah, I'm just going to get – this is a genuine guess. I'm going with false. Yeah. So, for example, saturated fat in fries, not the same as saturated fat in coconut oil, palmitic acid. True. Okay? Different. Uh, sugar is better than trans fats. This is kind of a little, a little misleading in a way. False. I'm gonna go true. Let's have a little competition. There's, there's, there's an asterisks beside this one. Oh, it is, here we so go. It is yeah. true. No, it's sugar true. Is better than trans fats. It is, and the reason Lucky. why I say this is because sugars aren't sugar's not great because of its, uh, you know, it's a slow release of cortisol, which is again the stress hormone. We talked about this, but also trans fats are terrible for the body. So if you're the reason why I put an asterisk at this is at a certain age you're able to if you have sugar you can burn it off quickly, right? You can you can you can burn through it, but if you're having sugar and you're 40 years old, the best thing I can tell you is go for a walk after, exercise it because sugar can be broken down extremely quickly. It utilizes glucose. We know glucose is the primary uh, fuel for most people. If you're not on a uh, you know if you're on a keto diet. It's different, right? Um, but what I'm saying is, for the, I would say sugar is good, but both are bad. Both substances are bad. Right. Um, next one. Bigger muscles are healthier than smaller ones. What the hell does that even mean? <laughs> Bigger muscles. False. Okay. <laughs> Read my blog post. Um, yeah, we talked about this. It's when you're feeding a muscle. A lot of times people are shoving uh, unnecessary calories into their body in order to keep the muscle growing. So we're talking about increasing growth hormone, but also increasing insulin growth hormone. One, 
And what that causes is that can cause uh, a plethora of, uh, of um, issues specifically dealing with um, opening up certain neural pathways that can lead to chronic diseases. That's mm-hmm. all I'll leave it at that. Okay. Again, check out my posts, my blog posts for more. Um, carbs are bad for you. False. False, yeah. False. We talked about this a little, uh, a little bit. Um, go watch Down to Earth with Zac Efron. Sardinia episode. That's all I'll say. <laughs> That's all I'll You'll say. forget how to yeah, do Yeah, you will. Uh, um, next one. 80% of things in grocery stores have added sugar to them. 80%. True, true. Yeah. I'm going 80%. Um, Think about it. I would have liked it for it to be like 75, 65, 65 to 75, oh, but yeah, I'll, I'll go with true. Yeah, okay. It is true. There it is go. true. Um, safest bet is to stay in the perimeter of the grocery store. So don't go in the middle uh, lanes. Anything that doesn't have uh, an expiratory tape is bad stuff. Again, refined grains, trans fats. Leave it at that. Almond milk is healthier than most milk. I don't know what on milk is. Almond, Almond milk. milk. <laughs> I don't know what that is either. Yeah. <laughs> Almond milk. Well, How, healthier? Doesn't that depend on the person? Like, let's okay, say you're again, lactose. there's a lot of. <laughs> yeah, my stomach thing. lining can't take. Exactly. Yeah, same. So that's a good that's a good thing uh, that you said that. Um, and again, it's kind of flipped. I would say, um, and 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 the reason why I wanted to bring this up is there's true and false to it, but also milk in general is not great for you. The hormonal effects that come from almond milk, which has been, uh, there's been a lot of studies on it. Go check out Mark Hyman for more. Um, he runs a Cleveland clinic and he talked about how, uh, especially for women, um, growing almond milk can have a serious effect on your endocrine system. Um, what is the endocrine really, system? It deals with like hormones and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, next one. So the question there is, I, I would say, for a regular person, or it depends on the person, um, but we'll just leave it as kind of NA. But again, I just kind of wanted to know your opinions on this, see if okay. you knew anything more than I would expect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not sure what that means. Uh, strenuous exercise hinders the immune system. True. Um, I'm going to go with false. Well, I'm, well, I, I'm going to go with it's contingent on, on a, a You're whole You're shocking your factors. body. But at the assume. same time that after you recover from such strenuous activity, I think that might contribute to improving your immune system in the future. But uh, in the moment, isn't that what he said? True. Um, it is false. All right, never mind. I stand reason, corrected. Reason why I say this, yeah. If you're again, there's something called overtraining system, yeah, uh, overtraining syndrome. Yes, if you're you know working at the same capacity every time you go and work out, yes, you're gonna run into problems. Yes. You're gonna start, uh, you know, the immune system is gonna start taking a toll. But realistically, if you are, you know, working out three times a week and you're pushing yourself um, to the point where it becomes strenuous, absolutely, um, it's 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 false. It does not hinder uh, your immune system. Um, so that's another good one. Uh, heavy aerobic training is bad long term. That sounds yeah. That super sounds false. super false. Do you want to explain why? Heavy aerobic training. Well, when I think of aerobic training, I'm sure Ben could attest to it. The first thing that comes to mind is cardiovascular health. Mm-hmm. And what's heavy a... aerobic training? Can you? Are we? Are we? Can still... you elaborate? So 
I'm talking about like running. Yeah. Aerobic. What? So what I'm mean talking, by heavy? Yeah. So heavy aerobic training. So that's um, it was characterized over 20 minutes, and we're talking about running, cycling, um, any type of aerobic activity. Those that promotes swimming. longevity, from what I understood. Yeah. Same. Okay. Heavy aerobic training is not good to when we're talking about cortisol because what tends to happen, there's been studies on this, that there's a slow release of cortisol. Again, stress hormone. If you're going for five-kilometer walks that take 45 minutes, absolutely. Don't get me wrong. Cycling on the bike, doing all this stuff, again, not bad. But just, just to be clear, you can do all these things, but – it's all in moderation. That's why the whole approach with the body factory is switching things constantly, right? When you're doing the same thing, you know, like strenuous exercise, right? Constantly, what tends to happen is your body goes, okay, I can't take it, right? That's why you need to switch your approach on certain things. So you're throwing your body for a loop, you're clicking the refresh button, right? That's the biggest thing. And that's why I'm putting these kind of weird little uh, questions in here that have there's a lot of factors that mm -hmm. can be involved but it's just to kind of prove this point of just this adaptive training method okay mm -hmm. um coconut oil is better than palm oil true yeah yeah true yes it's it is true uh extra virgin olive oil better than coconut oil at temperatures of 30 uh higher true. than 375 degrees uh I guess I'll say true. Um, I don't know. False. Woo! So extra virgin olive nice. oil past temperatures of 375 degrees. What tends to happen is the molecular structure just absolutely oh my God. gets totally destroyed. Uh, so you can't cook at high temperatures with uh, extra virgin olive oil. It just turns into a rancid oil. Um, and coconut oil is great because you can cook it at, uh, at a higher temp. So you can mm. cook them to temperatures up to like 500 degrees. Uh, peppers have less vitamin C than oranges. Peppers? Peppers have, uh, have less vitamin C than oranges. Well, True or false? the fact that you're adding that in there already makes me think. That I think it's false. false. Yeah. I, I swear. I remember something. Peppers having more vitamin C. Than yes, oranges. it is. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know that. And it's something, uh, that you should throw in your diet. Bell peppers. Definitely. Um, Del? Bell? Bell. 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 Yeah. God, I'm full of these today. Okay, guys. Milk consumption is highest in the U.S., in Europe, but it's the lowest in Asian countries. True or false? Milk consumption is true? the highest true. in true. USA, in Europe, but the lowest in Asian countries. Yeah, I'll, yeah I'll, I'm going true. I'll go with Ben. It is true. Yeah. And the reason why I say that again, wrapping it up into what I was talking about, uh, just with the milk, right? And how milk, if the life expectancy in Japan is, you know, two to three years higher than, you know, places in, in the U.S. and Europe. And, you know, Asian countries have been known to, to sort. They, they have this, you know, Mediterranean, you know, high fat diet. Um, it's been proven to help uh, with longevity. And it's very interesting. And I, I, I came across this and I was like, oh, wow. Um, the orange originated from Florida. False. Yeah, false. Okay, yeah. Do you know where it's from? 
is it is it Philadelphia? China. <laughs> you were China. So yeah. I had no idea. Um, <laughs> China. Oh man. And we kind of talked about this a little bit. Nicotine gets into the system faster than caffeine. Uh yes. And we yeah. talked about that. Yeah. Um yeah. So pretty interesting. But anyways, um one last thing that I want to talk about here is cold therapy. Um not to rush into this a little bit, but Iman, we've kind of had our little debate about this and how you have a strong opinion on thinking that eh, just may I? Yeah, go just for it. In my opinion. Yeah. Now, bear with me for those listeners that are more educated on this topic than I. In my opinion, it seems like an unnecessary physical struggle to put yourself through. I I personally feel as though, well, I, let me give you some ba- some context. I would finish a workout with Cam and he'd be like, I cold tub now. <laughs> and I'd get in and I'd be like, oh my God, it's so cold. And he'd be like, train your mind, train your mind. <laughs> so then from my perspective, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, this guy clearly just wants me to be a, a stronger mental Dope. athlete. Uh-huh. Because a lot of the workouts he does as well are deliberately designed to ensure that you have to push yourself if you want to improve. So I figured that was just more so an extension of that, you know, another way to really push yourself to the limit, push your body to the limit. And I found it really uncomfortable. You could say I was copping out, but from my perspective, when we do those workouts, I see the benefit in pushing my body to the limit. With the cold tubs, I did not see an immediate benefit. It just felt like, okay, okay, now I don't feel the cold, but then I get out and my muscles are the complete opposite of warmed up. They are cold down so much that it feels like my joints are frozen. And so then I just got to the point when I thought like, you know what? I don't even know if this is beneficial to me anymore. Ben, do you want to say anything? Mm, I, I don't know enough about it. I just think but what's the like what's the harm in just pushing your mental you know what i mean a fair point yeah i don't see any downside and if there's like negligible upside then there's like there's no point in not doing it fair i absolutely hate it by the way (laughs) may i take the floor here yeah am i good to go okay first things first when i introduce cold therapy to iman I have to say that my knowledge now is so much higher. Um, it's it's easy to just tell a person like I didn't have the proper way of going about cold thermogenesis. Uh, it's a process. It's a long process that involves even before going into the cold, you have to mentally prep. And it involves breathing uh, to ensure that you have that mental resilience. Now, with Iman, one of the reasons, Iman is kind of like my test dummy in a lot of things, right? And that's one of the things that we got roped into there. I've been doing cold therapy for probably about three years now. And what I've noticed is that when I started the first two years, yes, I noticed there was a difference, specifically when I was uh, with recovery. But then I started understanding a little bit more about cold therapy, the temperatures, the sequential process of going about it. Uh, and then some of the, 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 the facts, um, what you're supposed to affect, uh, what, what cold thermogenesis is supposed to do 
for a person? What are the benefits? Um, and I kind of just want to run you through this. One of the th big things that caught my eye starting out was neurosurgeons use cold in practice to increase repair of synapses. So yeah. synapses in the brain. That was one thing that caught my eye and I immediately went, okay, that's interesting. Why would they use cold thermogenesis? And that's interesting uh, to have, you know, a result like that. Do you know the process surrounding that? I don't know the specific process. Um, ben, your dad's a doctor, but I know he's not, his specialty is not in that. But um, no, Yeah, I'm sorry, I can't answer that. <laughs> um, but one thing I did notice after when you're doing it properly and you are in the right mindset because it is a mindset style um, um, activity is increased focus, energy, mood, etc. Why I say this is that there is a huge release of not only dopamine, but norepinephrine. Norepinephrine has been prone. It does. It's been shown, sorry, to combat uh, things like depression, ADHD, other mood disorders. My uh, my psych, my AP psych teacher in grade 12 used to call norepinephrine the sex drug in rock and roll. Yeah. So, so it decreases depression, dementia, and um Alzheimer's in people. Um, not only that, that I've noticed is that it actually has a decreased pain response to injury when you're doing this cold thermogenesis. And this is very interesting. And I've known, uh, I, I started doing this, but I also started throwing hot and cold in there. And for people that are just starting out, this is a great way to incorporate uh, cold thermogenesis. And this starts with doing a hot tub. Uh, you can get in the sauna. You're in there for 10, 15 minutes. If you're going in, if you don't have any of those, you can go in the bath at like 104 degrees Celsius. Um, and no, that's not right. 104. Yeah. Anyways, 104, you go in to about your chin and you stay there for 10 minutes. You will be sweating buckets. After that, you go into the cold shower. You turn that on for 20 seconds, come out, dry off, go back in there, do two to three rounds back and forth. I guarantee if you don't feel uh, a, a positive response after that, then I don't know. There's something wrong with you. My dad started doing that. I tell you right now, he called me up and he said, Cam, I just started doing the, uh, the, the hot cold. He called me up today and he's like, this is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. Not only has he recovered better, he sleeps better. He's more focused when he's at the desk. Uh, his mood's generally better. Obviously, you know, it's quarantine, so there's lots of things going on. Um, but he also is a little bit better. He says that uh, when I talked about decrease, uh, pain response to injury, he says, yeah, that actually makes sense. That makes sense because I've been able to improve a lot with my workouts, I've been able to withstand a higher weight for a longer period of time. And again, this wasn't just after one, this was after multiple sessions that he's telling me this. So it's a process on top of that, when you're in the cold, so lower than five degrees Celsius, and you can be in this for 20 seconds, it ramps up your metabolism. So you're able to burn a bunch of glucose. Okay, and you're able to burn a lot of the white, uh, the the brown fat uh, that surrounds, you know, your your cheeks and your neck, um, around uh, your hips and stuff like that. So it's out actually able to kind of um, help with your overall facial appearance. So when you see a lot of people that have like lost a lot of weight, a lot of that's actually brown fat, and it's kind of it's called the browning effect when you go in the cold, of going from white fat to brown fat. And this is a very, you know, 
good process that your body should go through when it's trying to lose weight. Okay. Um, so that's, that's a huge thing. When you bring up, uh, training, which is interesting, we're doing anaerobic training. And when you're doing anaerobic training, this can be categorized as strength training. We should have waited roughly, you know, an hour or two before going in. And that's for inflammation purposes. Again, I didn't know this. Now I know it. If you're doing an aerobic exercise, going right after. Okay. I won't get into it, but what happens is that there's 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 certain things that get triggered in the body that release uh, inflammatory response when we're talking about strength. With um, with aerobic exercises, it doesn't get um, triggered. Okay. Um, but those are just some of the things that I was talking about. Again, I know a lot more now, and it doesn't take much. As I said, 20 seconds, and you can grasp those benefits. Pretty good. Boom. Anyways. There you have it. Awesome, boys. Well, thanks for joining me today. Uh, I think we got – Yeah, thanks for having us. I think we talked a lot. I specifically talked a lot. Hopefully, you guys could take away a couple uh, things from today. Again, if you want to know more information on any any of the things that we talked about, please DM the accounts, uh, the body factory underscore, or go to www.thebodyfactory.net. Enjoy the rest of your day and bye for now.